With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? It is a jam-packed Monday night NFL draft draft week edition of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We got the Wing Nuts logo up at the top. We want to tell you that we have another show already on the calendar. It's official. May 20th, Shout returns to Wing Nuts. Come on out. Set set the date. Set your calendar. Come on out. We gotta get, we gotta get Carl out here for one of these. Uh, it's it's a, it's a one hour drive from Rochester. We'll get, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, he's Ryan Talbot at the top, my tag team partner. We have special on this edition of the show: John Scott from Spectrum One Buffalo and Carl Jones uh, from Rochester. Dude, this is going to be fun. We're going to do a mock draft. We're going to talk a little bit about this Aaron Rodgers trade today. We have another guest coming up eight eight forty five from the Athletic. We'll get more into that later on tonight. Let's go around the horn, Ryan. John, Carl, how are you guys? Doing great. Uh, excited to talk draft. Excited to talk all things Bills. And I'm excited to have Carl next to me, just like we found out at training camp last year that we actually grew up next to each other, just a town or so over. So, uh, you know, C-Town representing here on the, the Buffalo football podcast. Yeah, I'm grateful that you guys allow me back on. And like John said, anytime that I'm not outnumbered with the Cleveland stuff, I'm always cool with that. So I'm happy to be on, guys. I'm a big Cleveland fan. I got to tell you, I went, I was there for over the weekend. We took the the kids to uh, Guardians game. They got smacked around on Saturday, but man, we went to the right game. Big, big back to back homers. Uh, I think the pitcher was making his NFL or his uh, MLB debut, eight strikeouts, something like that. It was a fun game to go to. The weather was a little bit chilly, but we brought blankets. It was fine. My daughter took like a four inning nap, which was clutch. Um, she was energized for uh, the, the the seventh inning stretch. It was a great time. Cleveland is a great city. We want to stay downtown next time we go. It really looks like they're doing some great things. All right. Before we get into this draft, um, I got to bring up the fact that it was just announced. The Bills are returning to St. John Fisher in Pittsburgh. Uh, Ryan ex- is excited because his favorite thing on this planet at this point <laughs> are the black raspberry milkshakes oh, yeah. at the Pittsburgh pub. Or no, not the pub, the, the the dairy. Dairy. Yeah, the creamery there. Yeah, great milkshakes. Looking forward to getting one while we're uh, down there for training camp. Um, Ryan, um, or Carl, what does this mean to Rochester? Because this is something that for the last couple of weeks, I've been getting text messages. I've been getting worried texts from, from Rochestonians uh, talking about, are the Bills coming back to, to Rochester? And I'm like, I really think they are, at least for, for one more year. Um, wh- what does this mean for the region over there? I mean, it's huge. I mean, obviously, Buffalo is not too far away, but for those who want to see their, the talent up close and personal, it's, 
it's a free event for the fans. So that's always dope to see. And they get to see Josh Allen be able to not literally touch him, but, you know, be in the same vicinity as him and be able to watch the growing pains of the Bills and how they begin to make their team. It's always cool for them in that regard. And there's a nice two or three week period where the entire town is just all about the Bills. So we ain't got to go west and go all the way out there to Orchard Park. So from a media perspective, I'm ecstatic. I don't have to drive an hour and 15 minutes out there all the time, but it's definitely cool, <laughs> especially from the fan perspective as well. Um, you're going to get these uh, these visuals <laughs> again. If you're up at the top of the uh, bleachers and you look over as the players walk down, this is where we kind of walk down. Look at that that beautiful ball dome from, from Talbot up top there. And I even got this one. There's me and my good friend Carl Jones just walking hey. to work, you know, get, getting ready to get after it. I don't have a picture of John, but I did want to shout him out. Look at that beautiful bald dome that he's added to the, the, the hair is gone. That thing is looking beautiful. Um, welcome to the club, man. I like it. I, I appreciate it. Your daughter, according to the comment from your wife just now, says she still likes me too, hair or no hair. So um, exactly. You know, at, at least someone is still embracing me with uh, the new do. Uh, Heather, not a fan? No, she likes it. She okay. does. But, I mean, whose opinion truly matters more, my wife or your daughter's? That's fair. Um, I'm not going to answer, though. I'm not going to answer that. I don't want to get anybody into any trouble. All right. Mock draft uh, is starting right now. And the – Carolina Panthers are on the clock and how we did this. I sent the order. We're going to alternate. So we're going to go. John's going to have the first pick. Uh, Carl, number two, Ryan, number three, myself, number four. And then we're going to start it up all over again. We're going to fly through these picks. The only time we're really going to spend any time is talking about some of the scenarios, maybe where the bills could potentially look for a trade up. There's been a lot of smoke around that the last couple of weeks. There's been several insiders, analysts that have talked about it. We'll talk about, well, what our thoughts are on a potential trade-up and if there's even really value to do so in this draft. But let's start off with John. you got the Panthers. What are they going to do? Unfortunately, as much as I wanted it to be my guy, C.J. Stroud, uh, it appears all systems go for Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick going to the Panthers. So Bryce Young, I think that's about as, you know, send the envelope to the commissioner as there is right now. So we got Bryce Young out of the way. And this is where the draft gets interesting, Carl. There's a lot of different scenarios that could play out here, even, you know, as recently as the last couple of days, starting, you know, some Texans might not even take a quarterback. What are are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of rumors about this pick right here. I'm not going to go quarterback just based off of all of that chatter. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech personally wouldn't be my choice, but that's what I'm going to take right here if I was the Texas GM. D'Amico Ryans, former defensive coordinator for the 49ers, people are saying he wants his guy on the defensive side of the ball, so he's going to get his version of Nick Bosa here at number two. And let me ask you this, because Tyree Wilson has been a guy that over the course of draft season, I mean, I really think around the combine, people really started to learn his name. Will Anderson was the guy going into the season. The production was there. What for you, what do you think when thinking about it through a team lens are our team seeing when, when they're thinking maybe Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson? Trace, trace, and more traits. I mean, at that position, it's a trace position. I mean, 6'6", six, six, I believe 270 pounds. Not necessarily the freakiest athlete, but in terms of the size and what things he can bring to the table in terms of his uh, measurables, I think that's going to propel him over Will Anderson at number two. Nice. 
All right. Shout out to Pro Football Focus. We're using their mock draft simulator tonight uh, on the show. Ryan, you're up number three, Arizona Cardinals. Um, all the rest of the quarterbacks are on the board for them at three. They have Kyler Murray. Uh, apparently, they went to Oklahoma as an organization to support his statue that was erected there, which is, I know, that's a separate conversation. We can get into another uh, show. But the Cardinals up here at number three, uh, who do you got? Yeah, realistically, this is going to be a spot they'll likely trade out of. This is going to be a team that's desperate for a quarterback and might try to trade off. I actually had Wilson penciled in for the Cardinals, uh, not knowing what Carl was going to do. I'll go Will Anderson here. Uh, Cardinals need D-line, O-line, defensive back. I mean, they need a lot of positions. So uh, value meets kind of a need here. I, I'll go with Will Anderson. All right, and that gets us to the Colts here at number four. And, you know, they have their pick of – you know, three of the top quarterbacks in a draft that if you really go back to before the combine, it's been consistently, if you're looking at mock drafts, these four going in the top 10. And I think you're, if you're the Colts, you're sitting here in a really nice situation where, especially if the quarterback doesn't go at number two, you just sit on your hands and you wait. I don't think there's any, unless you absolutely love Levis, Stroud, or Robinson, I think you just sit there. And here's the thing. There's a lot of questions for all three of these guys. I think, you know, if, if I'm looking for upside, I love the idea of Robinson at this spot um, because of the potential ceiling and the limitless nature to it. Obviously, he comes in with the lowest floor. There's a lot of work that you have to do. But I think, uh, you know, with, with the regime there that I think they could shake up the draft a little bit here. If the smoke is true around C.J. Stroud, me personally, I would take Stroud at this spot. But I just think that there there's just enough. We've seen enough over the last couple of years where some of these quarterbacks that might be a little bit raw but come with more of that higher end upside, I think that might end up being the pick. And I'm going to go Anthony Richardson here at number four to the Colts. Back to John, Seattle Seahawks. And I would have done Richardson because they have Geno Smith in Seattle. I felt that there's more of a of a gap there that, that you could take a freshman year or a redshirt year. Um but I don't think they want to do that with a guy like Stroud. So I'm actually going to go Jalen Carter here at five to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I should mention too, I've heard reports that the Colts want somebody that's a little bit more ready to go from the jump. And wow. So Richardson would probably be a little bit different than you're seeing on a lot of mocks, but I think in the end, they're going to take the best player. They got some time, that whole regime there that Ballard and, and, and um, Ursay brought in, you know, they're going to have some time to develop. It's not going to, be overnight and they pick in the top 10 again in 2024 uh, I don't think that that's the end of the world and I think I, I like the Richardson pick there uh, Lions at six Carl who do you got I gotta go with Christian Gonzalez the quarterback cornerback out of Oregon fluid guy uh, taller guy I believe ran in the fourth uh, ran really well at the combine they need a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball the offense is exciting for the future but defensively they have a lot of holes and I personally think Gonzalez is a future Marshawn Lattimore type of guy with a taller guy who can move really fluidly from that position. Big fan of his. And I think the Lions would be ecstatic to get him here at six. Um, and, and if you could, I mean, obviously the Bill, Bills fans probably not spending a bunch of time at the top tier cornerbacks. But what separates him from Witherspoon, in your opinion? His size. Uh, I think Witherspoon is a junkyard dog. He's going to fight. I mean, you look at his highlight tapes and not necessarily picks are going to show up, but it's going to be the big hits. Right. Mm -hmm. I think Gonzalez is a guy who's a little bit more fluid. Gets in and out of breaks a little cleaner, which I think um, for the NFL level, I think it's a little bit more enticing. Okay. All right, Ryan. Raiders are on the clock. 
Yeah, uh, you could go a line here to protect Jimmy G, but I think with the quarterbacks available, they're looking for the heir apparent. Uh, Garoppolo is not a long-term guy. They had Levis and Stroud in for top 30 visits. I'll go Will Levis here for the pick. Okay. Um, and I think Levis actually makes a lot of sense in that in that spot too because um, with Garoppolo there, I think Stroud is like more ready to play right away and Levis might need a little time. So I kind of like that pick. All right, I'm going to come back here. Um, obviously a lot of smoke today uh, with Peter King's mock draft. He's hit on the last two first round draft picks. He, he mocked Kyle Pitts to them a couple years ago. And he mocked Drake London to them last year. He's got B. John Robinson. But with Stroud on the board and falling, I think this is a good spot to maybe trade out if you're the Falcons. But I'm going to have them stick and pick, get their quarterback of the future. I'm going to go C.J. Stroud here to the Falcons. And now all four of the top quarterbacks are gone off the board. John, the Bears need a lot. Yeah, and it's interesting. you got an Illinois kid at a corner, a spot they need, and Skaronsky another Chicago guy sitting right there at another position that they need. Uh, I'm going to go with Peter Skaronsky because protecting Justin Fields was miserable and uh, it's priority number one. All right, Carl, the Eagles can go in a a number of different ways here. They could probably even take, uh, make a luxury pick. What do you think? Yeah, that luxury pick you're talking about is B. John Robinson. I hear you, but I think Devin Witherspoon here at the 10th spot, what I think is very enticing for the Eagles they're kind of, uh, I don't want to say old at corner, but I mean, with Bradbury and Slay a little bit up there in age, you can bring in a guy who, if, I don't know how many more years those two have, but you get a guy at this high in the draft who I think can, can play in this league, whether it's going to be phenomenal for the Eagles here at 10. Yeah, I like that pick too, because, you know, I think they got Slay back on a one-year deal. And if, you know, you draft a guy like Witherspoon, he comes in and presses and, and maybe you want to move Slay. If Things I don't think are in a, in a great spot there anyway. I know he's coming back, uh, but there was obviously some social media stuff. Um, very interesting pick there. Uh, I like it. Tennessee Titans. Ryan, you're up. Yeah, Paris Johnson. Uh, I like to pick their offensive line. They need help at that position. Uh, so that's kind of the, the direction I'm going to go for. All right, so Tyree Wilson at two. The Texans come back around at 12. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking B. John Robinson here for a moment, but I think that, you know, we've heard all the buzz, and if if the, if the Texans don't get that quarterback in the top four, this might be a little bit of a reach, but depending on who you talk to, some people have Hooker rated higher than Will Levis and some even more than C.J. Stroud. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the Texans – a quarterback. I don't think they want to go into the season um, with just um, Davis Mills. Now, Hendon Hooker is coming off a pretty bad injury, and you don't know how long he's going to be, uh, how long it'll be till he's ready. But uh, I think they're going to want to come out of this first round with a quarterback at this 12 spot. It's not the perfect fit, um, but uh, again, quarterback value there. Uh, Packers on the board here at 13. And we're going to go to Ryan, who had this pick for a little bit of a trade uh, this afternoon. Yeah, listen, this trade-up was, or the swap was smart for Green Bay. Right in front of them uh, was the New England Patriots, a team that was probably maybe thinking wide receiver, uh, taking the first wide receiver off the board. Green Bay has not drafted a wide receiver in round one since Javon Walker, but I think they do it here. Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, get the first wide receiver off the board, and, and they're able to do that by jumping in front of the Patriots thanks to that swap with the Jets today. Man, uh uh, on his way out of town, nice little extra jab to uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers as they kind of go out and get uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's been begging for a first-round wide receiver for decades. 
you know, and I think this is a good time to pause here, John, and, and kind of throw it around the horn here. Rogers now leaving Green Bay after decades of uh, elite play at the quarterback position. He comes to the Jets, who uh, will be up here in a couple of picks. Let's start with John, uh, then we'll go to Ryan, myself, and then you know, we'll, go, we'll go back to Carl, who make the pick for the Patriots. Thoughts on what this trade means for not only the Jets, but the AFC East? The Jets were a very formidable, tough out, as the Bills certainly understood a year ago, and that was with Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. I don't even think you need to look or hope or expect Aaron Rodgers to be MVP caliber at this stage of his career to make the Jets a better football team, especially offensively here. Um, was Brady Brady for his entire time with the Bucs? No, but he was a better quarterback for them, certainly when they won the Super Bowl here. I, I think it's a great move. It's a steep price. You know, maybe Packers probably had more of a leverage. It's all about the window, too, in terms of does the price meet the return? Because is Rodgers a one-year fix? Is Rodgers a two-year fix similar to what Brady was in Tampa? If it's a one- to two-year window, this actually could maybe set them back farther because they could have allocated some of these resources to actually find a more long-term solution. But they chose to go this route with Rodgers. Again, I don't think he needs to be MVP caliber for them to be a better football team. And it, it certainly adds a, a different level here to their offense and then makes them more of a threat for the Bills, considering, again, they lost to the New York Jets with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Yeah, uh, picking up from where he left off. Uh, it's an interesting move for the Jets. It's kind of like going all in, though, for one or two seasons. It's dangerous in that, yes, you you are probably a playoff contender now. But is Aaron Rodgers enough of that age? I know he's not that far removed from MVP seasons, uh, but he's had some issues with his thumb. He's had some injury issues over the past few years. He hasn't. He didn't look the same this past season. So you're banking a lot on an older quarterback to come in. And, and quite honestly, with what they're trading away, they swap picks this uh, this year, second round pick this year, and potentially what's most likely going to be a first round pick in 2024, unless Rodgers somehow plays less than 65% of the snaps. Uh, it's a big haul for a guy. Unless you win a Super Bowl with Rodgers, I, I think you're going to look back at this as, as a maybe a bad move for the Jets. Just Google it right now. Aaron Rodgers has made $305.6 million over the course of his NFL career. And we all know it, right? Well, most of us know it. Carl's still uh, a young and uh, still got that athleticism uh, that, you know, I got to say, I, I, every once in a while I get on the basketball court and, I, and I'm reminded that I'm 40. Um, John knows, John, John knows it comes in spurts. It's, it's not it's true. I, I, I don't look like I'm approaching 40 on a basketball court. Let me tell you. Okay. All right, John. All right. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying here, as we get older, you know, we start playing different sports, right? We like leaning in a little bit more to the golf game, Aaron Rodgers becoming really good at golf. And I just don't know if, you know, from a mental perspective, you talk about, you know, the age the money that he's made, where he's at in his career, what he's accomplished. And I think like those two MVP seasons in a lot of ways, I think really took a little bit of the competitive fire. It was too easy for him for so long. He had Devontae Adams. Things were rolling so well. And then you come into this offseason, he was talking about 90%. He was ready to be retired. I don't know. That's not a guy that I'm willing to mortgage the future of my franchise for coming off the season 
that we saw him had last year. Now, at the same time, the Jets had no alternative. We all watched Zach Wilson the last two years. You can't run it back with him as QB1. So you had to do something. And in a division where the arms race in this division is just unlike any division in the, in the rest of the NFL. I mean, the Patriots are an absolute afterthought in this division at this point, which is crazy to think about knowing where we were in 2019. But we're in a situation now where it's going to be ultra competitive. These are four, I think, competitive teams. And there's three potentially, you know, elite, perhaps elite AFC teams or right under in that next tier, depending on where you want to put the Jets and, and the Miami Dolphins. That Jets defense is arguably the best in the division, maybe the best in the NFL. And so this all of a sudden becomes a really interesting uh, division. Carl, you're up here. Speaking of the division, the Patriots have to make a big move here. Where do they go? All the quarterbacks are off the off the board. We'll see if they stay in the Mac Jones business. Yeah, JSN would have been the pick here for the Patriots. They have, as you guys know, they have no juice on the offensive side of the ball. They need any help here. I don't think a receiver is warranting a 14th pick here. Having said that, they need – a cornerback after they lost J.C. Jackson to the Chargers last year. I think Joey Porter Jr. fits the mold of what they like. He's a longer guy, physical, NFL bloodlines, obviously, with his dad being a, a Steeler great. I think he'll be the pick here for the Patriots. Yeah, so we bring Carl Jones onto the podcast. His first couple picks, three of four picks are cornerbacks. <laughs> this was a for those that you don't know, Carl was a cornerback at Syracuse, knows him better than anybody. And I I know you've been studying all these guys and and they're all popping up at a very convenient time. And you're going with the DBs. I like it. I didn't pick an order. Y'all, y'all, y'all slotted me here. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Beautiful. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here. One half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, who's up next? Ryan, you up next again? No, that would be me, right? All right Go ahead. Uh, Broderick Jones tackle for uh, out of Georgia, I believe it is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can't move like he used to. Might as well protect him for the year or two that you're going to have him. 
No, I like the pick there. It's interesting too because like what they have at tackle is kind of complicated by the Makai Becton situation. I mean, all reports are that he's going to come back and be, you know, in the mix. We'll see what that ends up looking like, but that's a former top 10 pick. If they can get anything in terms of starting value out of him, I think they'd probably sign up for it. But, you know, Jones makes a lot of uh, sense at this spot. All right, next up, the Washington Commanders. Uh, I think that's me, isn't is it? Is it not? This is an interesting one. Well, this is the first one that's kind of throwing me off a little bit. The commanders can go in a bunch of different directions here. Uh, I think, you know, with, you know, Bijan Robinson's kind of sticking out on the board a little bit, but I don't know if he's necessarily the fit at it with this team. I'm probably going to go Darnell Wright tackle because I think at this point you're, you're probably getting to the point, depending on which team you are of, you know, how many first round grades you have left on players. And I think Wright is a guy that has been screaming up draft boards. Anytime you can add uh, a day one starter on the offensive line at the tackle position, I think you sign up for that. So I'll go Darnell right here. We'll go to John with Steelers at 17. Well, I'm on the Steelers. Okay. Uh, you know what? I love Nolan Smith. I love okay. him. He was my favorite person at this combine and maybe – Ever that I've ever heard from the combine. Uh, I'll, I love him. And then he tested through the roof and yeah, maybe he's not the biggest guy, but I, I just love him and Steelers love defense. And uh, I think he's, he, he is a dog. I love him. There it is. That's our first dog reference of the show. We only, <laughs> it only took us to the pick 17. All right, Carl, uh, Detroit lions at 18. What do you got? B. John Robinson is coming off the board here for the Lions. He fits he fits exactly what Dan Campbell wants. Tough, rugged, um, helps out Jared Goff in that offense. Whenever Jamison Williams gets back on the field, we'll compare that uh, with uh, Amari St. Brown. I think that's a nice formidable offense over there if you put B. John over there with the Lions. All right, Ryan at the Bucks. Carl keeps poaching my picks. I, you know, one of the, his only two top 30s was with the Buccaneers, so I was ready to take him off the board there. Uh, I'm going to go Deontay Banks, another guy that made a top 30 visit with uh, Tampa. Plus, it's one less cornerback for Carl to take later on in this first round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here for the Seattle uh, Seahawks, I'm going to go with one of the most athletic freaks in the draft, uh, Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh, the interior defensive lineman. I think, you know, the, the Seattle Seahawks needs to, needs to do some work on that offensive line I, or their defensive line, probably a little bit on the offensive line too, but I don't know if the value's there at the tackle position at this point. So Kalijah Kansi comes in kind of a similar type of player to an Ed Oliver in terms of measurables size wise. Uh, I don't know if it's a, it's a clean comparison with the way they play the game, but Obviously, the, the Aaron Donald stuff comes into play. Uh, we go to number 21 in the Miami Dolphins, but they don't have a pick. The Bills fans are, are probably excited about that. So the Chargers are now on the clock, and I can't see um, them not taking a wide receiver here, but it's not my pick. So, John, what do you got? Yeah, I think this is maybe where, where the run begins, if it's going to happen. And I'm going to go with Zay Flowers, uh, breaking the hearts of Bills fans all over the place uh, who have – had him in their sights for a couple months now, but I, I'm going to go with Zay Flowers as Keenan Allen gets older and, and you just got to continue to feed the feed the beast of the pipeline at wide receiver for Justin Herbert. Yeah, I'm so interested to see what ends up working here because the Chargers 
wide receivers coach was the wide receivers coach at Pitt when Jordan Addison was there. So I'm curious to see how though that evaluation comes down, because I think if I didn't know that before I learned it, I probably would have leaned flowers too with the, you know, what we've read and heard about Addison. But I, I want to go around here and take a quick pause because I feel like this range here, that 2021 range, uh, and we'll start with Ryan, go to Carl, and then we'll come back around. At this point, how aggressive do you want to be in terms of a trade-up if you're the Bills to get one of those guys? Because to John's point, this is probably the range you're going to have to get up to if you want to get uh, one of those guys. And then also, how much does a potential DeAndre Hopkins trade move you off of your aggressiveness, a potential DeAndre Hopkins trade, if it ends up being in the mix, how much does it change your aggressiveness in this draft at the wide receiver position? And is there a preference going after Hopkins in some way, whether it be after a Cardinals release or via trade or addressing the position in the draft? Start with Ryan. We'll go to Carl. Yeah. So in terms of trading up, if wide receiver is the target for the bills, I mean, this is about the range they have to go because you're looking there, Minnesota, the the giants, uh, both teams that I would think. And obviously we talked about the chargers. Uh, So this is where that run begins. Unless you're really confident in one of the players that you think could fall into into your lap, uh, a Jalen Hyatt or something like that, you probably have to trade up here. Uh, That's probably the move in in terms of, of Hopkins. You know, I, I don't want to say Hopkins would be the the afterthought because Hopkins is still a special player, but I don't think that they're going into this draft thinking, all right, we're going to get uh, Hopkins no matter what. If they can get a young guy on a cost control contract, someone that they're high on with a first round pick, that's probably the better route for this team, considering how much cap space they're going to have allocated uh, next year, even to Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Von Miller, et cetera. So adding in uh, another big name wide receiver, even if he's released, he's still going to probably want somewhere in that uh, OBJ type of money, maybe 15 million per year. If if that's again, that's if he's released, if you trade for him, you're, you're inheriting a large cap hit as well. So that's the part where I think the bills would probably rather get one of these guys in the first round, as long as they have a true first round grade on the player. Uh, Carl, yeah, I want to ask, I wanna ask you specifically, I just want to like veer it for a second. What do you think the Bills would be better suited to going out and adding to their offense? Because Hopkins and then Addison, Smith and Jigba and Flowers, those are two completely different flavors of receiver. I mean, so what do you think helps them more? Because obviously the Hopkins move, I think, complicates the target share, but also the alignment that Ken Dorsey would use in the offense for Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, and a, and a Hopkins if he's added. Yeah, I think the Bills are in a peculiar spot in terms of the receiver position because Gabe Davis is also in the last year of his deal, and I think you're going to want to know where his money looks because wide receiver two money is skyrocketing by the minute. As we know, Mike Williams got paid handsomely last year. I mean, wide receiver twos, look at Waddle and Smith. I mean, these are top 10 picks who are being slotted in that position. So there's there's a lot of value in that spot. I understand Hopkins, a lot of uh, target value there. I mean, a lot of targets you're going to give up allocating towards him. But I just think you need talent at that point. And I don't know me personally how I feel about this receiver class, especially in round one. I don't know um, if Addison and Flowers are off the board or if they're not attainable because, I mean, the guys ahead of them need a receiver as well. I don't know if I want to give up the requisite ac- uh, assets to go get them as opposed to waiting around two where I can get a guy who may not be as talented, but they're not far off. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Land's Airline today, John, put out uh, or was on a podcast over the weekend, established the run. It's a really good one uh, with Adam Levitan and um, Evan Silva. And they were talking. He was asked, like, what are some things that that he thinks might happen in the draft that people aren't talking a lot about? And he think he predicted big, splashy moves for the Eagles and the Bills. And one of them is a trade up that he's been talking about for weeks which is the Bills to the Vikings spot to get B. John Robinson. And, you know, we, we can have, we, we've been having that conversation for like two or three months, right? But I, I kind of agree with Carl's point in that the more and more you look at this wide receiver class and the Bills have done their due diligence, they've had them basically all the top tier guys, except for Quentin um, Johnson, I believe, in for top 30 visits. So they're spending the time with these players to get to know them. They're, they're obviously at least hovering around interested in the position, where do you land on on kind of all of this, and 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 does this draft class specifically, and the lack of top tier talent, kind of take some of the steam out of a trade up? From all the guys, uh, experts who study film much more than I do, um, and really have their pulse on the draft, they've all almost unanimously made it clear that there's not this huge drop off. When you go from tier one, which maybe is Flowers, Addison, and Jigba, down to tier two, where you're getting to Hyatt and maybe Johnston or uh, Josh Downs or some of these other guys, Cedric Tillman, you're just not, it's not a big enough gap. And which means it's also not a big enough gap, in my opinion, to give up really much of anything to go get one of them. These guys are usually considered to maybe have a ceiling as a number two. So if I'm going to give up an asset to move up for someone, I'd like for them to maybe let's start them three, two, but let's say that they could be the one that three, four years down the road or this second contract, if all goes well, can replace Stefan Diggs or flip roles with Stefan Diggs. And I don't think any of those guys are there in this draft to do that now to take the onus off enough if you may want and certainly down the line. So if it's between moving up, or, or trading for DeAndre Hopkins, I think it's DeAndre Hopkins. And to be honest with you, like I'm fine if someone drops there and the board shakes out and you're like, well, I mean, we got to take someone because we can't move back and you, and you take one. But as someone who's been on the wide receiver train in the first round for so, so long, the past couple of years, I've kind of backed off of that here. And, and I think if the Bills really want to move the needle offensively, that's only going to happen with an addition, the magnitude of DeAndre Hopkins. So with all that said, Carl, you're going to take a wide receiver here at 22 to the Ravens? Yeah, sorry, Bills fans. Uh, Jordan Addison comes off the board here. He's the the best uh, wide receiver option left, and I think he helps out that offense. All right, 24, the Jags. Ryan, you're up. Uh, No, 23, the Vikings, yeah. Oh, yeah, Uh, Yep, Quentin Johnston still on the board, top 30 visitor. Uh, They need some help at wide receiver, so that run continues. All right, 24, the Jags are on the clock. And I think this is the spot, despite them going back out and bringing back um, Evan Ingram, the maybe potential run on tight end start. I'm actually surprised that we got to 24 and none came off the board. This could be very much be the case. Uh, I know a lot of people are talking about the, the high-end value or, um, of this tight end draft class, uh, but I think Kincaid comes off the board here to the Jags at 24. All right, your old buddy. Are all of our old buddy Brian Dable in New York uh, up at twenty five? Yeah, and this is an interesting one because they they could use some help on the offensive line, but is it too high to go interior? I, I mean, I don't really know. Um, I, I am though going to go. I'm going to go John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota here um, as a guy that they can plug there in the middle. 
as John Feliciano has moved along uh, out west here. And and we, we know that the philosophy that Shane and Dable have carried over from the Bills is you build from the trenches out. And, and so I think that's that's a good way to, to go, especially when you have a quarterback still trying to find his way. No, I like to the pick there because there's a lot of there's a lot of things to like about the the pairing. Number one, the Giants, Dable, Bobby Johnson, they love position flexibility. Michael Schmitz could play all three interior positions. Uh, his agent Jeremiah Searles, you know, played for Brian Dable. Uh, so there's obviously the connection there. Knows the kind of uh, guy uh, that he is. I, I like that fit a lot. I think that could be, and it would be a little bit of an upset because I think a lot of people think the first interior guy off the board, or, or that's been the the Mostly what people have been saying since the combine is uh, Osiris Torrance out of Florida. So that'll be fun. All right. The Cowboys are up. Carl, you're up. Close us out before we get to the Bills. Yeah. Jerry Jones going to make a, a wild pick here once again. He's going back to the running back dwell, Jameer Gibbs. I'm seeing a lot of hype about how much the NFL draft circles love this top two of the running back class with Jameer Gibbs. Um, explosive dude out of Alabama. This is going to replace my old friend Zeke. And uh, him and Tony Parr would be a nice one-two punch there for Mike McCarthy. Where does Zeke end up? Yeah, man, uh, I don't know. I'm still kind of hurt that he kind of fell off the way he did. I'm still hurting right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be interested to see what uh, wherever he lands, the fit and the the style of player. All right. We are 10 minutes left in in the mock, uh, which gives us plenty of time to talk about pick number 27 and what the Bills should do with it. Uh, There's plenty of interesting names left on the board. Uh, Alabama safety, the top safety in the class. Brian Branch, couple of edge rushers, Miles Murphy out of Clemson, Lucas Van Ness. I uh, haven't seen too many mocks where he's available at this spot. Um, Osiris Torrance, like we mentioned, Mozzie Smith, if the Bills want to go on the interior, a couple of tight ends. And I think, you know, Michael Mayer, we've talked a lot about Kincaid on this show, Darnell Washington. I think Michael Mayer is a really intriguing player if he's available at the spot. I We'll see. We'll, we'll talk it through. But let's start with Ryan. And we'll go John, Carl, and myself. Uh, who do you got the Bills taking and why? Yeah, I'm down to two players right now. I'm down to Brian Branch. I'm down to Mozzie Smith. And and Branch wasn't even a consideration until we had that live draft show with Joe B. And, and Joe pointed out the way the Bills could use him, how they could get creative with their alignments. Uh, and, and obviously, when you look at the Bills in terms of their safety position, uh, Micah Hyatt is on an expiring deal. Jordan Poyer signed short-term. Uh, Taylor Rapp, one-year deal. So the list goes on and on there. And this is the clear-cut number one safety in this draft class. Uh, big fall-off after that. So I, I'm not against it. But the Bills also love those athletic freaks. And when it comes to Mozzie Smith and, and the testing, the athleticism, he tests off the charts. And that's another position where Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean have alluded to the fact that all four of those top guys in their rotation are on expiring deals. So uh, right now, based based on this board, I'm going Mozzie Smith. Wow. Okay. John, who do you got? The Bills have one true hole, in my opinion, entering the draft, and that's at middle linebacker. And it's been the conversation I've had on my podcast and, and just internally for the past month plus, is it Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders? And, I, and I'm going to go with Drew Sanders. I just think that the Bills love guys – that are really traitsy, as Carl had mentioned before. And I just think he is a guy that, while I don't think it's apples to apples with this whole Tremaine Edmonds comp, I just think that he really can bring an, a, a cool dynamic too. that, that maybe Sean McDermott as a new play caller returning to the play calling duties 
can bring here because the the real question with Sanders is he spent one year in the middle and then some people think he's maybe better suited as a pass rusher on the edge. Maybe this is a, a player that that can kind of allow Sean McDermott to really get creative and do something I think maybe some of us wish might have happened more with Tremaine Edmonds, and that's unleash him and have him get after the quarterback. I thought the, the limited times they had Tremaine do that, he was pretty good at it, and, and maybe uh, Drew Sanders could be the guy that, that can fill in that middle linebacker spot and, and be implored more different and uniquely than Edmonds was. Interesting pick. Um, Drew Sanders appeared in a lot of mock drafts here over the last couple of weeks to the Bills at 27. That would be the first linebacker uh, taken inside linebacker. Carl, what do you think? 27 of the Bills. Who do you got? Man, we're hurting Bills fans right here going on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm going to stick with the theme. Uh, not obviously, as uh, Ryan alluded to earlier, no one signed longer than one year here at the defensive tackle spot. And we're going to take the best one off the board and Mozzie Smith. Watched him terrorize my Buckeyes this year. Wasn't pretty. Um, he's big. He's he's a bigger guy, 6'3", I believe, like 200, I mean, 330-something pounds. Add some depth there, and the Bills don't need guys who can sit or anything like that. They need guys who can play in day one, especially with the way, with the, the lack of capital they have in this draft. It's unfortunate the way the war, board broke out, obviously, at receiver and, and edge as well, but I would probably lean with a D-tackle here, so give me Mozzie Smith. Before we continue, and I'll give my pick, I, I put Mozzie Smith in because you guys you guys win because it was two out of four, uh, and I want to have something different, I think, from from everybody else. But so you're an Ohio State fan, right? Did that change at all when you went to? I'm always curious about like the allegiances. Like when you went to Syracuse, did that kind of change it at all? Up until like tenth grade, big Buckeye fan, like OH, all that good stuff. Then obviously, I was never an Ohio State caliber guy, but I mean, in my crazy head, I thought I was. So once Urban Meyer didn't talk to me, it was I hate Ohio State. And once I graduated, we're rocking with OH again. So all right. Man, you really won in that in that whole scenario, though. Not having to spend four years with Urban Meyer. Uh, that, that's that's what we like to call dubs on this show. Um, anyway, all right, for the Bills here, I really do like the idea of, of defensive tackle. I, I'll change things up a little bit. Um, and it comes down to me between the tight end and the defensive end. And I know that that's going to be crazy for Bills fans, especially the guy that I'm going to mention here. And it's going to be Lucas Van Ness. I've seen guy, I've, I've seen him going top 10 in some mock drafts. I've listened to some evaluators who I really respect, you know, from the Dane Bruglers of the world, Daniel Jeremiah's, Lance Zerlines, who talk about just like the potential that a Van Ness comes in and brings. Obviously, the the athletic testing, the physical traits, I'm, I'm pretty sure, what's his nickname, Hercules or something like that? He might have some potential to move inside at some point. And I feel like if you take a guy like this and you get that val- value at 27, maybe you move off from his former teammate in A.J. Epinesa, somebody who, I know he had six and a half sacks last year, but maybe the, you, know, you trade him for a day three pick in this draft and then you look to maybe uh, address the interior or another position later on, add another pick. Um, I'm also considering Mayer. I know that that it seems like redundant with Dawson Knox under you know team control for the next couple of years, but I think he's only under they can get out of that deal after this upcoming season if they really wanted to. And I think Dawson Knox has been good in spurts. And I think that there is a, there is a talking point where they need to get him more involved and put a a bigger emphasis on his involvement in the offense. But I think also sometimes big players make big plays and you know, there's, there's sometimes 
over the last three years that we've talked about, you know, drops with him. And I think Mayer is a guy that comes in. He is just like, I guess it's like re-envisioning what you think that safety valve is for this offense. For so many years, it was Cole Beasley, right? What about if that ends up becoming a Michael Mayer? And Ryan, you've watched a ton of him the last couple of years. One of the things that evaluators talk so much about is his ability to make big plays on third down in those gotta have it moments. And I really like that addition to this offense. And it's a little bit different than Darnell Washington, who I've also mocked to the Bills. And I like that idea in its own right. But I, I really like Mayer. I, I think I might pull the trigger here because it gives you your next iteration of tight end. If you do decide to, you know, move on from Dawson Knox as that cap gets tougher to manage over the next couple of years, that could give you four years and then a fifth year option on your um, your succession plan, if you will. Yeah, and listen, Mayer allows you to run more 12 personnel in 2023. Uh, he is someone that he does not jump off the charts with athleticism, but he finds ways to get open. He's very savvy. Uh, he's great hands. And then, oh, by the way, he's like, an, you know, he's a great blocker. He's someone that can come in and help this run game immensely day one. If you want a day one impact player that can make uh, come in and contribute, he is a guy that could do that. So it would not be the worst pick for the Bills to go that Michael Mayer route. This was great, everybody. We landed uh, at, you know, talked through some some different situations, another mock draft uh, to offer to the masses. Um, John, Carl, thank you so much. We got we to gotta move on to our next guest, but you guys were awesome. All right, boys, <laughs> take care. Have a good night. See you. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino, the Shop Buffalo Bills uh, football podcast uh, brought to you every month by Wing Nuts. And we're going to be back there on May 20th, our next live show. Uh, I can't wait for that. Mark your calendars right now so that you can plan for it. If you're local, just come out on a Saturday night. It's a beautiful time. The weather's probably going to be beautiful by then. Watch, I just jinxed it. And then um, if you're out of town, you want to make a little trip in, you want to build a, you know, a weekend around it. We have, we've had a few fans do that already and it's been awesome. Uh, meeting them, talking some bills with them. It's a great time. Wing Nuts, May 20th, Saturday night, 7 p.m. See you there. Take care, everybody. See you soon. We'll be right back on Wednesday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.